The dynamic ministry of Pastor Mark has blessed hundreds of lives across the globe. In this message, you'll be informed by the Word of God, reformed by the love of God, and transformed by the power of God as Pastor Mark takes us through a journey of the revealed Word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the Word. Shalom everybody. God bless you so much for tuning in. Shall we share a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for such a time as this. We ask that you will inform us by your word, reform us by your love, conform us to your will, and transform us by your power. In Jesus' precious name we have prayed. And the saints of God would say a believing amen. Hallelujah. At this juncture, I want you to get your Bibles, your notebooks, your writing pads, your pens and your tablets because we are about to begin a journey into the deep things of the Word of God. I believe strongly that this message will not meet you and leave you the way it met you. In Jesus' precious name. Ladies and gentlemen, this brings us to part 3 of an amazing series we have begun. Uh, I want to believe God that you have been blessed by the previous episodes or previous editions of this particular message we have entitled Covenant People. And if this is the first time you are listening to me, I will encourage you to look for that message and listen as well as other very reforming and transforming messages on this platform and I believe strongly that your life will never be the same again. Shall we open our Bibles to Judges chapter 13 verse 5? Judges chapter 13 verse 5. And I will be reading from the King James Version. Hallelujah. It says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Hallelujah. I will take that again for free. It says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Hallelujah. I want you to play, pay close attention to the phrase, For the child shall be a Nazarite. The child shall be a Nazarite. Now, who are Nazarites or who were Nazarites? Hallelujah. Who are Nazarites or who were Nazarites? Because it is not a coincidence that the angel of the Lord that was dispatched to relay this information to the wife of Manoah would add that the child would be a Nazarite. In other words, the identity of this child was predestined. The identity of this child was already planned and orchestrated. And so, he didn't have an option at best to decide his identity. 
his identity was already programmed. And as children of God, born again Christian, spirit filled, we need to understand how these things work. Inasmuch as we are given freedom and liberty in Christ, our freedom and liberty is within the borders and the context of Christ. Some of you grew up in walled houses, you, you grew up in walled apartments. And what happened was that you had the liberty to leave the room, leave the hall, wherever it is, and you know you had the freedom to operate anywhere in the house as long as you were within the four walls of your father's house or your mother's house or wherever it is you were living. That is how our freedom in Christ is. Many people feel like once we have freedom in Christ, you are free to do anything, anyhow, at any time, anywhere. It doesn't work like that. Our freedom is still within the confines, the borders and the walls of our salvation in Christ. And so the identity of Samson was already predestined. He would be a Nazarite from birth. Who were these Nazarites? Because if we are able to understand what it meant to be a Nazarite, it will give us a deeper understanding of Samson's covenant work with God and how it relates to us today as present-day believers. If you are with me, say Amen. And so that would take us to Numbers chapter 6. We are going to read from verse 3 to 4. Numbers chapter 6, 3 and 4. And then we will skip to verse 5. Hallelujah. So like I was saying, the Nazarites or the Nazarenes were a covenanted group of people who had a unique identity and personality. Alright? They were a covenanted group of people with a unique identity and personality. And this unique identity and personality was backed by a vow. It was backed by a vow. Alright, so Numbers chapter 6 verse 3, the Bible says that concerning the Nazarene, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes nor eat moist grapes or dried now look at verse 5 all the days of the vow of his separation there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in which he separated himself unto the lord he shall be holy and shall let the locks of his, the hair of his head Grow. I want us to take it again, Numbers 6, 3 and 5. It says, He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. In other words, these Nazarenes were not expected or were not supposed to have any associations with any variety of wine. Alright? He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. So, they were not permitted, no matter how much they wanted to, they were not permitted to have a taste of certain varieties of drinks and strong drinks, per the demands of their covenant with God, which was backed by a vow. Verse 5 says, all the days of the vow, which means that the vow was supposed to last for a certain period of time there was a stipulated time that this vow was expected to last and let me just chip this in 
as born again Christians or believers, the vow we make unto the Lord at salvation is still death. You know, like what people normally do during the marital vows. What do they end the vows with? Till death do us part. Okay, even though people break their vows even the day after their weddings and what have you. But these Nazarenes, as long as the span of their vows existed, they were supposed to oblige and comply with these requirements. Alright, so verse 5 says, All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head. In other words, they were not expected to touch their hair. Alright? Until the days be fulfilled in which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of the hair of his head to grow. Alright? So these, amongst many things, were the requirements that it took to be a Nazarite or a Nazarene. And so when the angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah and his wife, he said, Your son who is about to be born shall be a Nazarene. In other words, he was supposed to follow this pathway. He wasn't supposed to have any link or associations with the aforementioned. Alright? So in summary, what were the requirements to becoming a Nazarene? Number one, they were not supposed to take strong drinks and fermented drinks. Alright? They were not supposed to take strong drinks and fermented drinks number two they were not to have any associations with dead things so if we had continued to read numbers chapter six you know at your own time you can also look at numbers chapter six um, nazarenes were not supposed to come into contact with anything that is dead dead animals dead human beings so even if your father or mother or relative died you were not supposed or you cannot go close to their bodies all right number three they were not to shave their hairs they were to allow their hairs to grow and to allow the hair the locks of their hairs to grow all right now let's look at an interesting scripture as well matthew chapter 2 verse 22 we are building our case gradually we are still talking about covenant people so brothers and sisters ladies and gentlemen sons and daughters we need to understand that every covenant comes with requirements and as believers, we have a covenant with God. And it is hard time we understand the rudiments of this covenant so we can enjoy the benefits of this covenant. So Matthew chapter 2 verse 22, reading from the New Living Translation. We are going to be reading 22 and 23. The Bible says, But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Achilles, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. Let's look at verse 23 carefully. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. So even Jesus, before he was born, the Bible says that the prophets said, the prophets said that this Jesus shall be called a Nazarene. In other words, he would have the identity of a Nazarene. Are you getting it here? So there is a link somewhere. We are trying to link Samson's covenant to work with God to Jesus Christ himself and how it applies to us as believers. All right. So it was prophesied that Jesus was going to be identified as a Nazarene. Hallelujah. 
and i must quickly add as well that our goal is not to become nazarenes i am not saying that you should leave your tribe and become a nazarene no but what we are trying to do here is that there are certain principles we can derive from the covenant practices that these nazarenes had which will have an impact on our work with god mind you the bible says according to the prophets that even jesus was going to be called or known or identified as a nazarene which means that their covenant with god was something that god intended to sustain for many generations to come praise the lord forevermore so like we said they were not to take strong drinks or fermented drinks they were not to have any association with dead things number three they were not to shave their hair they were supposed to allow the locks of their hairs to grow now ladies and gentlemen now we as we narrow down the message i want you to pay attention carefully that strong drink and fermented drinks used in this context are referring to a certain kind of influence that is not godly by revelation the strong drink and fermented drinks used in this context is referring to what ungodly influences typically when someone takes strong drinks all right what do we see his or her senses become compromised his decisions his actions utterances and movements are equally compromised because he or she has been influenced by these strong drinks and by strong drinks we are talking about you know alcoholic drinks and some of these drinks that have the ability to hypnotize you and all of that okay so it wasn't just about drinks it wasn't just about certain brands of drinks but what they do to you and the implications they have on you as a person how you know i was saying this in church the other day that one of the reasons why god doesn't want christians taking alcohol is because alcohol can become a substitute for the holy spirit in your life why am i saying this the role of the holy spirit is to give you direction to influence your speech his role is to influence the way you think the way you act the way you talk all right the holy spirit is an influencer now when you take alcohol alcohol literally plays the same role it affects how you think it affects how you talk it even affects your outlook even how you smell all right and so literally this alcohol is now in competition with the holy spirit as far as influencing your life is concerned so it's not just about the alcohol but what it does and how it undermines the work of the spirit of god in your life so for this and many other reasons god says listen don't take alcohol all right yeah so when one takes strong drink this is what happens to you your senses your decisions your actions and what have you are compromised and ladies and gentlemen sons and daughters brothers and sisters as covenanted sons and daughters of daughters of god god is against us being influenced by anything that is not the spirit of god god is against any other thing other than the spirit of god influencing you god will fight it god will resist it god will not accept anything influencing you if it is not the holy spirit 
and this brings us to our subtopic seven ungodly influences hallelujah seven ungodly influences that as a child of god you must beware of as a child of god you must guard yourself against seven ungodly influences the first one ladies and gentlemen is the antichrist or antichrist antichrist the antichrist all right we are talking about seven ungodly influences and by seven ungodly influences we are talking about why people do the things they do why people say the things they say and why people go where they go to all right there is always something influencing the actions and the inactions of someone and if it is not the spirit of god god is not in support of it hallelujah because in this kingdom the only licensed influencer is the holy spirit for example when you go to certain organizations there are drivers they are the ones that are approved to drive company vehicles they are the certified drivers if they are not present you might have to wait till they arrive no matter how bad it is you want to move if the driver the company driver is not around you are not going anywhere you would have to wait for them or use another means in this kingdom the holy spirit is the driver without him nothing moves if you are with me say amen the antichrist let's read first john chapter 4 verse 3 seven ungodly influences we are not going to finish today but we will continue in due time hallelujah the first influence or the first ungodly influence that god wants you as a covenanted child to be mindful of is the antichrist first john chapter 4 verse 3 reading from the amplified version the bible says and every spirit that does not confess jesus now by this phrase alone the bible is telling us that there are many spirits there are many spirits there are millions of spirits with different variations and adaptations you won't believe it there are millions and myriads of angels how do you call it spirits so he says and every spirit that does not confess jesus in other words acknowledging that he has come in the flesh but would deny any of the son's true nature is not of god this is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world <laughs> this is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world already in the world all right so the antichrist operates operates in the trinity follow me carefully what did i say the antichrist operates in a trinity just as we have the godhead in a trinity the antichrist also operates in a trinity what is this trinity of the antichrist the first one is the spirit of the antichrist the spirit of the antichrist number two is the system of the antichrist the system then number three is the person of the antichrist if you are with me say amen 
So it says first John chapter 4, verse 3, amplified version says, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, acknowledging that he is come in the flesh, but will deny any of the Son's true nature, is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now in the world. So it's talking about three things: the Trinity of the Antichrist, just as we have the Trinity of the Godhead. Number one is the spirit of the Antichrist. Number two is the system of the Antichrist. Number three is the person of the Antichrist. And when the Bible says the Antichrist is now in the world, ladies and gentlemen, it is true. The spirit and the system of the Antichrist has already penetrated the borders of society. It is already in our homes, already in our schools, it is already at our places of work. And ladies and gentlemen, sadly, the Antichrist is in some churches. You must guard against being influenced by the spirit and the system of the Antichrist. You know, this is not the core of my message at this hour. And so I am trying to be very brief because the subject of the antichrist will need a lot of time to deduce all right so i am not here to give you the nitty-gritties of what it's all about i am here to just let you know that you must do everything within your godly ability and capacity not to be influenced by the system and the spirit of the antichrist it is already around us it's in our schools it's in our homes, it's in our communities, it's in our hospitals. It is already in some churches. Hallelujah. It is already in some churches. When the Bible says um, in the verse, uh, first John chapter 4, verse 3, it says, And every spirit that does not confess, the word confess there, follow me carefully. The word confess there is the Greek word homologio which amongst many things means acknowledge so in other words what first john chapter 4 verse 3 is saying that is that every spirit that does not acknowledge and that is what the systems of this world is trying to do or are trying to do taking jesus out of the picture so you go to certain schools and Certain studies are being banned from many schools. What it is doing? That is an antichrist system. It is not acknowledging Jesus. It is not acknowledging the sovereignty and the lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ. You go to certain hospitals and literally Christ has been taken out. You go to some churches and Jesus is missing. It is amazing. You see, when we read Revelation chapter 3 and Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It is because he was pushed out. He has been pushed out. In many churches, he has been pushed out. In many homes, he has been pushed out. In many organizations, he has been pushed out. And so he's now at the door knocking. The Antichrist is already with us. The earlier you know this, the better society day after day is looking for ways to banish jesus out of the picture and that is why the church is coming under strong attack and scrutiny that is why many men of god are under attack it is because the antichrist system is on the rise there are demonstrations all over the world 
against the church, against Christ. Churches are being bent down. Why? The Antichrist system. The Antichrist system. Because this system is opposed to the things of God. And sadly, there are believers that are being influenced by the Antichrist system at their places of work, at their fields of study, at their areas of expertise, and what have you. We must guard against. Now, how do we identify the spirit and the system of the Antichrist? Pastor Mark, you are saying that uh, we should not be influenced by the spirit and the system of the Antichrist. So, how do I identify that this system is Antichrist? That this is the spirit of the Antichrist that works? The answer is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. Hallelujah. Any system that does not acknowledge Jesus Christ. I am not saying that we should turn our places of work into prayer camps. That we should turn our places of work into church rooms. No, that is not what I am trying to say. But there is a way the system acknowledges Christ. It is not just by mentioning Jesus. But we are talking about situations where the values of Jesus are incorporated into the system of the organization. That the tenets and the teachings of Christ, his values, his principles are inculcated into the fabric of our educational systems. In our homes, this is how we acknowledge Christ, not just by mentioning his name. We are not saying you should name the name of your company after Christ. That is not what we are saying. But acknowledging Christ means that we are imbibing his virtues in our everyday activity. And that is what the systems of this world are trying to do currently. It has gotten so bad that, you know, many companies these days are requiring workers to report to work on Sundays. Because the system knows that Sunday is that day that we all go to worship the maker and fellowship with brethren. So why fix a working day on such a day? That is the system of the Antichrist. And so as you continue to work in a system like that, your faith will grow cold, your love will grow cold, your fire will grow cold, and then you begin to be influenced by many other things. The love of money begins to influence you, greed begins to influence you, lust will take a hold of you, and then before we know it, before we say Jack Robinson, your faith is in shatters, your faith is shipwrecked, and then there is no turning back from there. May the Lord help us. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. The second ungodly influence that we must be mindful of. Don't forget we are coining all of this from the statement that Nazarenes were not supposed to take strong drink. And strong drink yet stands for what? Evil or ungodly influences. Alright. Low self-esteem is the second ungodly influence that God wants you and I to be mindful of. I know it sounds strange to you that we are talking about low self-esteem. Wait till the end of this discourse. Then you will understand why God doesn't want you to have low self-esteem. Why God doesn't want you to have inferiority complex. Let's open our Bibles to Judges chapter 6 verse 15. I am going to be reading from the New Living Translation. This is what the word says. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. 
I'll take that again for free. Judges chapter 6 verse 15. Reading from the New Living Translation. It says, But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. This was a man that was battling with inferiority complex. This was a man that was dealing with serious issues of low self-esteem. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, many people are influenced by low self-esteem. The reasons why many people do what they do is because of low self-esteem. You will speak to many prostitutes and you will discover that the reason why they are into prostitution is because of low self-esteem. You will speak to many armed robbers and you will discover that the reason why they are into robbery and they operate at night where people cannot see them is because they are battling with serious issues of low self-esteem. Low self-esteem can be caused by several factors. I'm not here to enlist everything, but I can give you a few reasons why people have low self-esteem. Number one, paramount amongst them at the zenith of it all is past experiences. Alright? People have funny, funny, funny experiences in the past. And some way, somehow, these experiences find themselves domiciled within the subconscious minds of these people. And so anytime they try to rise up, this, this consciousness become a, becomes a limitation. Alright, so past experiences, cycles of failure. So someone has tried something over and over again and it didn't work. That cycle can create, you know, an issue of low self-esteem or inferiority complex. The third thing is ignorance. Many people battling with low self-esteem are simply ignorant until they discover who they actually are and who God has made them. Another thing is inadequate training. Inadequate training. Naturally, you won't have confidence when you know you are not capable of doing what has been required of you. Alright? But when you know you can deliver, there is a certain level of confidence. It breeds in you. Alright? A boxer who has adequately prepared is confident before the battle. The same cannot be said of the other who hasn't prepared adequately and this applies to every facet of our lives. Where training is lacking, confidence will be lacking. Where adequate training is lacking, boldness will be absent. Alright, another reason is illiteracy. Okay, now ladies and gentlemen, no work or assignment in God can be accomplished with low self-esteem. There is. There is no purpose, there is no assignment, there is no, you know, divine assignment that can be fulfilled with low self-esteem. It is that simple. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it takes a lot of boldness to fulfill your assignment. It takes a lot of boldness to fulfill your purpose. And so, the angel of God began to address the issue to Gideon. Gideon was saying, listen, how can I rescue Israel? He was given a divine assignment. And this is, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest. And to make matters worse, I am the least in the weakest clan. So, I am the weakest amongst the weakest. And the angel of the Lord said, thou mighty man of valor. Thou mighty man of valor. Ladies and gentlemen, 
there are many people shying away from the things of God and what God has purposed for them to do because of low self-esteem. They feel they are not worthy. They feel they can't do it. They feel they are not capable. They feel it should be someone else. And many times people who shy away from the things of God or what God requires of them, it is not because they don't want to. It is because of low self-esteem. Many people have equally forsaken their assignments because of inferiority complex. We saw Gideon trying to, you know, run away from what God was calling him to do because he felt he wasn't capable. He was battling with inferiority complex. He was dealing with what? All kinds of low self-esteem. There are many of us like that. Many of us like that. What is actually driving you? What is influencing the things you do? And you know, people take decisions and their decisions are influenced by the low self-esteem they have of themselves. Even decisions on what to eat, what to wear, as basic as they may be, decisions on where to stay, where to work, people have inferiority complex so bad that they feel like they don't deserve to work in certain places. They don't deserve certain marriages. They don't deserve certain salaries. They don't deserve certain clothes. They don't deserve certain food. They don't deserve certain accolades. Now, this is not to breed pride in you, but knowing yourself is enough and knowing who Christ has made you is all that it takes. Hallelujah. God wants us to be bold. Bold about our convictions. Many Christians don't have bold convictions. A little shaking and then they give in. Our revelations in God, we must be bold about it. We must be bold about our love for God. There are people that love God in secret. They are not public about it. You know, they are secret lovers of God. They, they are not loud about it. But I don't think there is anybody in a relationship with another who would like to, to, to be in a secret, you know, nobody knows that we are in love. No, love always wants to show itself. That is why weddings are done in public. Alright? So God wants us to be bold. Why? Because... If you are influenced by low self-esteem, you will always find yourself at the lowest points in life. Don't let your low self-esteem be the driving force of your life. Don't let it be what influences your decisions. Be led by the Spirit of God. Alright? So how do we overcome low self-esteem? Number one is to study the word to know who you are in Christ. Studying the word to know who you are in Christ. It builds a certain level of boldness in you when you discover that, wow, this is what God has made me. I am the righteousness of God. I am a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. I am peculiar. I am as bold as a lion. Such revelation and information would breed or break the power of low self-esteem in your life. Number two is speaking in tongues often. I mean, this is, this is not something new. It is proven, personally I have experienced it, that when you speak in tongues often, you are always emboldened. The Bible says building up yourself. So there is a certain emboldening that goes on when any man or woman gives himself or herself to the constant and the regular speaking of tongues. Number three, let go of your past. You must understand that you can't do anything about your past. You must understand this. You must let go of your past. You are not your past. Whatever happened in the past, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. 
all things are passed away you see there is a reason why this phrase was you know included in this verse of scripture because it is not enough to tell somebody that if any man be in christ is a new creature the new creature must know that all things are passed away otherwise the new creature will still live like an old creature are you getting what i'm talking about behold the bible says behold now to behold means the thing is there see it behold means that you are not now going to look for it it is already there but you are not seeing it so open your eyes and see behold he says all things have become new hallelujah let go of your past and then finally one of the ways to break low self-esteem and inferiority complex is to take up a responsibility in the house of god there is a way working in the house of god gradually emboldens you it could be singing in the choir um, taking an activity and you know some of these things literally you have to be in the faces of people all the time and gradually it may not be overnight but as time goes on as the days go by the weeks go by services go by you will discover that you are bolder than you used to be i want to ask you a question in conclusion what is influencing you why do you do the things you do why do you say the things you say why do you go to the places you go to are you being influenced by the antichrist the spirit and the system of the antichrist are you being influenced by low self-esteem and inferiority complex or you are being influenced by the spirit of god wherever you are let us pray malabo jeni mikadas mando zili barakatas Lift your voice and begin to pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by this message. For this and more, follow Pastor Mark on Instagram and Facebook. And remember to share this message with friends and loved ones. Stay connected. We celebrate you.